You're listening to The Soju Sessions, episode 16, on the Soju Talk Nation podcast feed. I'm your host, Crispy, Crispy Wonton, or simply just Anton, and on today's show, Warren comes on to expand on his thoughts, perspectives, and philosophical musings about modern K-pop and connecting with the general Korean audience. We got lost in some high-level ideas, but it was still cool just to have that intellectual back and forth. And we also got to talk about the finale of Season 1 of Loki. Coming up, K-pop retrospective and Loki with the one and only... Warren. Joining Soju Sessions this week, a deep thinker and an exceptionally musically attuned human being, Warren. Welcome to the show, Warren. What's up, everybody? How so, you doing, Crispy? I'm doing really well. It's um, yeah, it's it's kind of an exciting time right now. Um, I, I had this idea planned for a bit, but then a confluence of events occurred on the show where there's a topic of much debate, and mm-hmm. I figure, um, you know, to have you on to speak directly to some of the things that you had mentioned, um, on the main show a few weeks ago. So let's get right into it. Um. Yeah. On episode 146 of Soju Talk, you went on at the end about kind of an extensive conversation about culture and media and the um, accessibility of music in the Korean, um, the Korean market. Um, take right. me through kind of the genesis and your thought process of how you arrived at some of those ideas and what trends you were seeing that gave you pause for concern. Right, right. I mean, it began around when Brave Girls was blowing up, right? Like, back when um, Rolling was coming around and it was going popular. I noticed that a lot more people were talking about them in specific rather than some of the other, you know, K-pop groups that we've seen in the recent couple of years. Um, Sure, people talk about Twice Shirts. People talk about BTS. You know, BTS obviously being the big face of this K-pop Western, you know, rollout. Um... But in the Korean communities, uh, once Brave Girls and Rolling was blowing up, it was a huge, like almost a renaissance of like people talking about idols on on whatever forums they're on, and that kind of stuck out to me, right? Because that that was something I haven't experienced in a while yet. I knew that like four or five years ago, that was the norm. People used to do that about Twice or Red Velvet or Blackpink. That was like a very common thing that had died out, and I saw it blow up again, and so like. That's where I started thinking, right? That that's where I started looking about looking thinking a lot more about okay, market has definitely shifted in 2020 and 2021, right? Like right off the bat, like 2020 we we had covid. That was a huge deal. And that really just was a huge influencer on like the profit margins for a lot of these K-pop companies that rely a lot on real life events, you know, they rely on ticket sales, they rely on people to buy four, five, ten albums so that they get, you know, the draw to join the fan meet and stuff like that. Um, with that gone, I sure, you know, people, you know, started shifting online, com- companies started shifting online, but I also noticed a lot of 
companies were shifting in their like marketing tactics both into like more of the subcultures online and like more like western right like um so i i went on a whole rant at that point which was not intended it was supposed to be like a three minute transition before i go into uh before i go into the world cup at that point but you know i had like three bullets down then I went, but then I, you know, I, I read off the three bullets. Actually, I read off the first two bullets, and the second bullet expanded into the whole rant. And then the third bullet was that brings me to do the World Cup. <laughs> and that became a 10 minute thing. And I was like, this is too long. This is too ranty. This is too pessimistic almost. Um, so I, that's why I pulled it out into the back at, uh, you know, the end of the show. Um, and I do think, like, thinking now, like, I was a lot more, like, pessimistic about it than i am now but at the same time i do think the market has shifted and i don't think we should like look at it through like a very rose tinted glass if you will right like i does that does that kind of make sense yeah yeah it does um the way that you described on the show was far more Mm -hmm. of a like an impactful emotional response um i think Mm -hmm. you arrived at kind of the statement of 2020 between between 2020 and 21 um, mm-hmm. as the worst period in Korean music industry in the past three yeah. decades, um, yeah. which is understandable because I think you are coming at it from a historic and cultural perspective of the trends over the years and what is important to you, right? Mm-hmm. But it did mm-hmm. get me to think about kind of the gaps between audiences mm-hmm. um, and what we're seeing in current music. So right, right. you did make a list on Twitter um, of your favorite oh, did, yeah. tracks of 2021, uh, a lot of which, um, a lot of songs of which I love and adore and will likely be on my top list at the end of the year. Nice. Um, but I do also feel like they're very representative of the direction mm. in music um, and the different trends that are not just popular within K-pop fans, but in Western markets. Yeah, but it does kind of leave. Um, it does kind of leave space for addressing the Korean market, right? The general Korean audience. Mm. Um, can you speak more to why do you feel like there's a disconnect between the general Korean public and music uh, today, more so now than ever? I, in terms of the disconnect, I think there's three key reasons, right? Um, one of it is market oversaturation. The other is the internet being the internet. And then, well, I guess there's two things. Okay, so like market oversaturation, that's simple, right? Like we had a whole blow up of everything about a, you know, 15 to 10 years ago, everyone made a company and they were like, we're going to make an idol. We'll get some trainees. This, you know, makes a lot of money. We'll do it too. Some people succeeded, like G-Friend, you know, or Brave Girls now, as you see now. But I'm not going to go ahead and say it's the greatest market in the world. It's the success to failure ratio, the profit to not profit ratio is way too of a negative thing to talk about, right? Like, if you think about all the nugus that we don't talk about on the show, nobody talks about. That's kind of sad, right? Like, so market oversaturation is definitely one thing we got to talk about. We got to think about. And then on the other hand, we got to talk about the, cons- the the audience and the consumers too, right? Like, if there's anything I've realized in what, what, what I've noticed in the internet the past decade, right? I've been 
a avid per, per, uh, participant of the internet communities since like you know like 2005 or so a little too earlier than it should have been um I, i've noticed that people are like not really paying that much much attention to like mainstream culture anymore in, especially in korea and they've moved off to like doing their own little things in little communities like tiktok for example or or you know finding their twitch streamers and just watching them instead of your comedians on variety shows right like that the whole like nation's little sister thing that doesn't make sense anymore right because people who watch variety shows are the same people that's been watching variety shows 20 years ago and the new kids the teens the gen zers they're not on that shit they're i don't sorry i swore it's fine you're fine <laughs> the <laughs> The Gen Zers, they're not on that thing. They're they're on different pl platforms, whether that be YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever, right? That's obviously been a huge shift in the past, like, five or ten years. And they've been doing their own little thing. And now we see a situation where the variety shows are, like, very much targeted to that audience. And the young kids are doing their own little things back home. And, and then we end up with a situation where the teens aren't really consuming K-pop anymore. That that's that's something that gets brought up every now and then, especially in like Korean fandom communities, where they're talking about, oh, I went to a fan sign. The idols are the idols are teens, but all the fans are in their twenties or thirties, whether 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 regardless of gender or sexuality, whatever. Everyone's like above twenty, right? Like I saw a breakdown of a straight kids, uh, fandom, uh, what's the word, uh, gender ratio, and sorry age ratio and it was like i think like 15 percent was about teens and the rest were 20 30 40s and stray kids is, is like you know like they're i think they're still in their teens i might be wrong but regardless early 20s something like that right like it, it's become a game without a new flow of listeners right? It's, right it's become a little bit of a lake without any water going in or going out of it it's just a lake the groups the fans that liked different idols have transferred over into different idols that's one thing um the general public i think has obviously shifted away um they're listening to ballads they're listening to trot if you listen to if you look at the charts this year right like uh like what's popular right now ballads are really popular that were popular about 15 years ago trots have been the mainstream tr uh, trends for like 5 10 20 uh, sorry one or two years now that's actually not that been long um everyone loves retro if you look at the songs coming out of hangout with you uh last year it was like retro 90s now it's retro early 2000s um uh, so you see this problem where the older audience is shifting away into a different part of the music industry and you see the younger audience shifting away from like just consuming k-pop into consuming other things and they're also consuming other different genres of music, like hip hop or ballads or, or you know, stuff like that. Hip hop is very popular with teens. They listen to like, what's they listen to? Like Joe Gong Il and people like that. That's that's just like that that really kills the original inflow influx of like new listeners coming in, and that always needs to be there. Um, and because that is gone, I think companies have shifted into looking at Western audiences. I think a big example of that has been 80s right uh, a parallel of that kind of has been eyes one uh, which uh, you know i recognize they're not you know together anymore but while they were there one thing i recognized about them is that they're a girl group but they have a very 
strong, distinct strategy of going after dedicated fans. They're, they were all about making dedicated fans. Um, so you see this like cycle of companies targeting more and more and more dedicated fans that are going after Western audience. And then it becomes, or it becomes a cycle because you don't have new people coming in. We're just you reusing the same group of people over and over and over again. Um, I forgot what the original question was. I'm so sorry. No, no, that was excellent. That was excellent. Um, okay. Well, to kind of go off of like, so there's a lot mm -hmm. to unpack. Um, I think one of the main, well, it's, it's like a question I have is, so you, right, you right. speak about mm -hmm. general audience, right? And right, right, right. Um, in my head, I'm differentiating that with three main groups that engage mm -hmm. with K-pop and entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. The teenagers up until about 2023. And then you mm -hmm. have the mid-20s to mid-30s. Um, okay. the demographic that you and I fall under, the children of the internet that are still mm -hmm. with their favorite groups or more mm -hmm. likely to engage with K-pop idols. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing the shift that we're aging, uh, we're aging out of some of the idols that we follow, um, or at least the new groups are coming mm -hmm. in and they're mm -hmm. far younger than we are, right? Right, right. Um, and then you have the far more advanced age, um, which is about 35 to 50, um, who in the past, um, definitely engage with K-pop, um, like you said, uh, Nation's Little right. Sister, Girls' Generation, right. Wonder Girls, right. that type of familiarity right. where right. those right. idols are um, are visible not just through music, but now visible through variety, acting, and essentially in the homes of the families, right? So you have the family right. unit right. experiencing right. it. Um, I guess my question to you is, how do you mm -hmm. define um, which age groups are focused on like different types of media and where do you think the younger age groups are going to find entertainment if it's not k-pop okay um well in terms of generation and like which groups are which i i i do feel like the gap between gen z and like millennials are kind of where that kind of falls falls into especially because gen zers are the ones that are going after tiktok and you know these different media outlets on the internet um there was a series of interesting posts on a variety of uh, internet communities where they were like i heard like teens don't listen to k-pop nowadays what do they do oh they watch streamers dance on tiktok and on twitch and on africa um and i was like okay interesting um and and that that is where it's been really interesting to me too because like having been an avid fan of hip-hop for like a past uh 10 actually well 12 years now at this point oh my god um okay i recall i recall being online as the only kid young as i am everyone else was like in their 20s late teens and I, here i was like i don't know like how old like i was like yeah 14 or so and everyone was like i'm 19 i'm 20 oh how are you preparing for a college exam that kind of deal um and now it's shifted a lot where I see a lot of elementary school kids and middle school kids in, in these like YouTube comments and whatnot. It's become the, the, the audience has definitely shifted that way for, uh, for, for hip hop fans for, so for pop, now we have to question, they went over there, they went over there where, where, you know, where, where did these guys go? You know, like it's, it's an empty room all of a sudden. Um, and I don't think it's like culminated over like, uh, like just last year, right? Like COVID didn't, change everything it changed everything but like not not this right like this has been a culmination i think of like at least like three four five years um and it also probably coincides with like population issues in korea where like 
there's not enough kids. That's also a thing. You, you look that up. That's a different conversation. But yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's. I think what you said about the younger generation mm-hmm. going towards more tech, technology-based entertainment, where the barrier mm-hmm. of entry is legitimately just a phone, right? Where right, it's a right. one-time purchase, and then, um, you know, say what you will about the economies of different services, but for the most part, you're paying a fixed rate, right? You're paying right. something upfront, and then you have mm-hmm. um, an abundance of entertainment for um, the the amount of money that you're spending. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to. You know, get your take on a couple of uh, more academic um, topics oh, and kind of this idea of analytics being used to drive decision making. Um, right. And well, my first introduction to analytics uh, was funny enough in sports. So oh. in the two, in, two, in the 2000s um, in Major League Baseball, um, mm-hmm. analytics was popularized by the book Moneyball by Michael Lewis. Um, it was later turned into a movie starring Brad Pitt about the Oakland A's and using market inefficiencies to target um, undervalued, uh, low-cost hitters for some very okay. specific reasons, right? And then in the mm-hmm. 2000s, it shifted to the NBA, where it became um, a numbers game about threes and layups, so very efficient shots, because threes mm-hmm. are more than twos. But at the same time, if you have a layup, it's far easier to shoot a shot two feet away from the basket than it is 20 feet, right? It, true. It's still, true. It's still, um, it's still two points. Um, and it kind of showed um, kind of the efficient inefficiencies, but it also took away a lot of the feel for the sport and kind of the art of the sport. In mm-hmm. the NBA's example, um, mm-hmm. the Houston Rockets were very successful during the regular season, right? Um, okay. But the basketball itself wasn't very appealing. I mean, in my opinion, because it was essentially mm-hmm. James Harden dominating the ball for mm. 48 minutes while four shooters were on the court just standing on the sidelines waiting for the ball. Um, and this ties into K-pop in the sense that you have the two demographics that you mentioned. You have the children, the kids, right, the teenagers, who mm-hmm. their income source are their parents, their parents of right. a more advanced age between right. um, 40 and 50, right? And mm-hmm. that is their resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with K-pop, my the thing that I wonder most is, is is K-pop using analytics to just to drive decision making and saying we're only going to target the population that can um, that has buying power, meaning our mm-hmm. generation who have jobs, um, who are able to kind of contribute to the economy. Because if we target the younger de- demographic, they're spending it on their phones, not necessarily right. the music. Um, right, right. And then we can't really target the older generation because they no longer have interest in it. Because it does mm-hmm. kind of seem like they're finding a market inefficiency, but on the extremes of how to target K-pop music. And I kind of want to get your take on if you believe that analytics are used in this way and if K-pop might be falling too far on one end of the spectrum in this extreme. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're using analytics to a certain degree. I, I hope they do. You know, like these companies, they have a lot of people involved in their business. If they're not using numbers to play their games... What are they playing them with? Oh, shamans? <laughs> we'll, we'll pick your comeback date through our shaman ritual. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, no, seriously. I, 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 I see what you mean. But I... Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Because to me, it always seemed like a system of people in their teens get interested in this culture, Right. They don't have the buying power yet. They might save up a hundred bucks to buy like albums and go to a fan sign. But once they're like 
20 is when they can actually spend the money like you mentioned i saw that as a transition like like a like a metamorphosis if you will the you know the little bug that grows out into the butterfly once they get into their 20 they can actually spend money what what was key about to me what to me what was key was they would get interested they would get hooked in their teens their mid-teens and then they would spend a lot in their 20s that's what it seemed like to me what I'm, what 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 is concerning to me there is that we don't get we're not getting anybody hooked now we have a cage full of butterflies making so much money but we don't have any eggs or, or you know little, little bugs that are waiting to what's the caterpillar caterpillar yeah. is what i meant by bugs um waiting to like kind of like you know morph into butterflies um in that aspect i'm sure in the current like scape of just today nothing else just today i'm sure they are doing their best to understand the needs of people in their 20s and 30s and you know make as much as money off of them as possible and sure that's what they're trying to do but at the same time yeah I'll, that that i guess that goes back to what i was talking about earlier with the you know we need a new group of people coming in because it's rare for people to become k-pop fans in the middle of their 20s the middle of their 30s um i'm not saying it's not existent there's plenty of other shoes if you go to, to like a lovely's fan sign event but like that's not as common as like you know the other groups i've talked about yeah do you feel like the market correction would now be focusing on the western market because now mm. that it's very difficult to penetrate like the younger audience and like you said like there's kind of a a drying of the well, right, moving forward. Do you think now companies, because of the pressures of the pandemic, have decided huh. we can't spend resources on trying to appeal to the younger demographics anymore. We just have to go overseas. Mm -hmm. That that's what I'm worried about, right? Like because yeah. that's what that's the vibe I'm getting, especially with all the media that's like trying to be accessible to international fans and like people going on weavers. And and I'm not gonna say that's necessarily a bad thing. I've been wording it as if it is, but it's it's really not. And I'm really biased here. That's that's what that is. Um, what is like? N there's a lot of question marks in the air with like relying so much on a Western audience, right? Like, because we're taking a bit of a leap of faith. Like, because right now K-pop is popular in the West, or certain groups are, you know, like certain groups aren't. Um, but it's a fact that certain groups have been successful in the West. Uh, is, is that going to be replicatable with other groups? Is that, you know, long term sustainable or is this just a fad? You know, like is, 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 is you know, can smaller companies also scale into international audiences while still making a profit? Like there's a lot of questions in the air um, to say, yes, Western audiences are the new way to go. And by no means do I think. Western audiences aren't as serious about K-pop as, as, as the you know people in Korea or Japan or China or whatever. It's just there's a lot more barriers to go across, and the internet. Sure, it does connect a lot of things. It doesn't literally connect everything, you know. Um, I I went on a bit of a tangent there. I'm sorry. No, but, you're, you're um, totally fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of bring it back to what can appeal to the older demographics, right? Because um, I think right, again, right. like that is 
I mean, if we're not looking at our age range, we're looking at the next age range ahead of us and their ability right. to support uh, their children. And mm-hmm. kind of like you said, the new wave of like neutro and that being mm-hmm. the introduction to try to bring people back in. Uh, it's been very successful. Well, it's been successful to varying degrees as far as like our fandom, right? Because we're mm-hmm. um, consuming K-pop regularly and we do essentially like the nostalgia factor of it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's been a success to bring in the older generation um, back into K-pop? So we're talking about like 2PM and Shiny and like these second generation groups. Is that what you're talking about? That and also the style of music. Because um, like you said, oh, you mentioned okay. um, like disco and neutral being like a mm-hmm. wave of brand new music over the past year and a half. Um, right. Kind of just like your perspective on it. Do you feel like that will eventually help to bring back the older generation or to bridge that gap between the parents and the children? I, I don't know. <laughs> here's, here's the thing, right? Because I, I see... <sighs> Retro's been a trend for like a good ten year, ten or so years now, right? Like it's it's I don't it's not even really a trend anymore, right? Like, cause when did Tiara do their song? Like twenty eleven was it? Y- yeah. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah, <sighs> cause that to me was like the kickoff of the whole like retro neutro thing. That was yeah. Yeah. Um. And and it's been a huge. It's been a lo- thing for a long while. And the retro that are conceptualized with the idols and the retro that has been popular with like the general public in their twenty, thirty, forties is kind of different because I think it's kind of different, right? Like the one that's the latter, sorry, the former that's popular with like idols is like a stylized version of retro okay. it's it's not something that literally brings nostalgia like i'm gonna bring up rocket punch because i like rocket punch they have a very they had a very 80s 70s aesthetic to it but it, they're not trying to go after like people in their like 60s you know like i, I don't think they are i don't know um they're using that as like a motif point and like going off going off on it on a, on a more artistic kind of view what Hangout with You does with SG Wannabe, which is their par- well MSG Wannabe, which is their parody of MS- SG Wannabe, which is the ballad group from the early two thousands, as well as Suck City, which is like a parody of the of, of all the you know mixed gender idol groups of the nineties. Um, that's been like pretty detached with like the idol K-pop we talk about, right? right. Like, right? Like, sure, sure, we talked about Suck Three on on the podcast last year. But, like, ha- we haven't really seen that interact in the same way that we do with, like, idol music nowadays. Uh, to the degree where I saw Sak3, like, parodying, you know, like, what idols do nowadays. And that was like, oh, yeah, idols do that nowadays. Yeah. That's-. And that was about it. Um, so I don't, I don't see this wave of retro or neutro benefiting the current idol generation. Um... Brave Girls was the huge exception, right? Because they are a part of second generation that managed to make their sound like popular again through this wave. But I'm not going to go ahead and say, yes, Brave Girls is the norm. If anything, they're the exception by you know any, any means. Um, yeah. Let me get your thoughts and opinions about like the competition for attention and competition for 
um, how we spend our time with entertainment. Um, specifically, oh, oh. Um, short form mm -hmm. content, short form media, TikTok, mm -hmm. YouTube videos mm -hmm. that have gotten considerably shorter over the years. Um, and how that could be a way to kind of bring new K-pop fans into um, to the genre and kind of repopularize it between all the trends that we're seeing. Um, do you feel like that's a, a direction we'll see more of moving into the future? And how do you feel like creativity will have to adapt? Um, I think we've seen a lot of it in the past year and a half with mm -hmm. almost every song having a TikTok segment, <laughs> essentially. Um, do you feel like we're just going to double down with multiple TikTok sections in songs or will there be a happy medium to, you know, use TikTok and that type of short form media as, as, as exposure, but then being able to creatively access something that we just haven't been able to yet. I hope, I hope it's the second thing you mentioned. I hope it, it, it is a gateway to something better, um, you know, or, or something bigger. I'm not going to say it's better than TikTok. I, you know what? I'm on, I'm, Thanks to Therese and her TikToks. I've started using TikTok. I see the appeal now. I also realize my attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. But it's, it's fine. Um, But yeah, we've been seeing a lot of these TikTok dances on all the music videos and, and choreos and whatnot. And I do feel like now that we've had a couple examples of successes, um, I feel like it's going to continue being a thing for the next like half a decade or so right unless tiktok goes dis destroyed overnight or something like that i don't know i don't think i don't see it being destroyed overnight um you know you got like what was really interesting about this year's pop music k-pop in general has has been stacy asap you know yep it it it, it sure the song's good yeah the song's good i like the song whatever you know but 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 i saw the choreo kind of blow up on tiktok and on instagram reels you know like i i was also getting stuff about we go but that's because i consume content about from s9 on my you know on my media accounts i didn't about eight stacy they're like i you know like i like the producer i don't really like the group <laughs> per se but like i was getting all that content fed to me and i saw it kind of blow up and then I saw the impact of that on, you know, the charts. They're, they've been charting solidly somewhere between 20 and 10 ever since the song has come out. Like, that's like, aside from, aside from um, Espa, I think it's safe to say they are, like, by far the most successful girl group of, like, 2020 and 2021. Like, in terms of just success, right? Like, right. So that have debuted in the recent years, right? Like, I'm not talking about Oh My Girls or... Blackpink. Um, now that that success success has been there, now that there is proof that the success of Zico's any song can be transferred into you know dragging up popularity of idols and, and K-pop artists, I I think I would assume that that is the way forward. I would assume companies have looked to that and said, okay, they are smart. We're also going to do that, and you know, I I I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I don't see that dying out anytime soon, really. So kind of the inverse of that would be long-form media right. and live shows, right? Just things that we haven't experienced because of the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. I can still remember, I think it was a little after I started watching the show, the the, the main show, um, back mm -hmm. in 2019 when the world was oh, so man. open. I think BTS's concert was in theaters around that time during summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... 
I do feel like as the world starts to open up, we are going to see a push for long-form media. And I think movie theaters may actually help K-pop in this sense, because now oh. you're forced into um, a situation where you have the audience's attention, right? You intentionally have them sit down for an hour and a half, however long the concert is in a theater, where mm-hmm. it's socially frowned upon to pull out your phone. I mean, you could do it. It's just someone will tell you to turn it off because uh, that that screen glows quite brightly in a dark theater. Mm. And I kind of want to get your I, I, a take on like this idea of theaters being the entry point for kind of releasing a lot of this concert material that we just haven't seen over the past year and a half, and then leading mm. into live shows. And perhaps maybe that's the the missing like ingredient to all of this, right? Where we were mm. just on the internet for two years. That's all. It's the only place we could consume. It. Um, right, like content, anything. anything, right? But then it was in such competition with TikTok. You said it was in such competition with everything else we're trying to do, whether that's uh, variety shows or video games or just like anything. Um, I mean, K-pop almost feels like it's in competition with all those other forms of media now. Um, yeah, so I think just well, I guess the 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 base question is like, how do you feel like as the world opens up, that's going to affect the popularity of K-pop now that people can see these idols in real life? Uh, hmm. Well, I I do feel like in person interaction, whether that be like millions of well, sorry, not millions, but like a long distance away in my concert seat and like the the stage, that versus seeing somebody on the screen, I think there is a distinct difference. Um, I would hope all these in person events and and concerts, um, you know reopen up a whole new wave of profit channels that were there about two years ago i also think i'm not sure if that'll be as popular you know like because i was i was talking to i was talking to a, a kid the other day who's about 16 years old um actually can i talk about this? yeah no it's fine um <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about my job for a second. Oh, no, don't worry. I'm not breaking any laws here. Um, he, he was talking about how he's not going to visit movie. Like, he's not interested in movie theaters. Like, what is he, to him, what's the point? You you can see any movie you want from your couch on the TV. Just turn the blinds down. It's pretty dark. You know, like, um, and, 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 and that magic... I, Oh, almost makes me think, you know, like if concerts are accessible, actually, no, concerts are still different, right? Like there's, there's the whole, there's the feeling of being there with other people who share similar minds and we're all screaming at each other, you know, yeah, like there's a tangible actually, energy that's true. with other people, right? Right. right. Social a good amount of energy. Yeah. Right. That, that we've lacked for so long and I do feel like there is going to be that natural hunger for it. Right. Um, I think I feel like the United States is a good example where it's like mm-hmm. the uh, mandatory mask um, oh mandate boy. was lifted and all of a sudden uh, NBA stadiums are full of people without mask. And, right, and right. we're not out of it yet. And yet that's all we're seeing. Those are all the images we're seeing. I mean, it's good to see people celebrate and kind of reunite. But at the same time, there is a very real conflict with the fact that we're still in a pandemic. But I also feel like that's indicative of the fact that people just need that release to get back in the real yeah. world, get back in the wild, essentially with other people. Um, do you feel like the, the concert going live experience economy will see an uptick 
see a boom in 2021. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, not 2021. Uh, 2022. What year are we? 2022. I, 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 would hope, yeah. <laughs> I think next year. I think next, next year. Next year, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did see... I did see um, the whole full footage of Tyler, Tyler, the creator's concert footage. He did an hour long thing in a small stage on Brooklyn and there was a random thing. There was no announcements or anything. And the energy there was crazy, you know, like it was it was it was wild. But I think he, he was testing things out. Twitch, who, who was streaming it on, you know, their thing. They were obviously testing things out. Um, I think we're gonna slowly test waters, and we're gonna gradually go into um, having a lot more regular access to concerts or tours in 2022. That's what I would hope. That's I'm, I, th- that's me being optimistic. You don't get that all the time, right? Like, it's, <laughs> no, that's no, a rare no, thing. No, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I want to go to some. You know, like yeah, same here. I'll, I'll probably keep my mask on for. Me too. I'm probably yeah. gonna keep wearing a mask. Yeah, indefinitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I was watching the Tyler concert and like everybody was like shoulder to shoulder and nobody had their masks on. I was like, shoot, like I, I wanted to go, but like, do I really like, I don't know, man. Like I have the vaccine, but like still like mentally, I'm just not there. Um, But yeah, to your concert point, I, I do hope it brings in. I, I Sorry, I hope it's a new renaissance of concerts and live yeah. person events you know like yeah that's what i would hope and that kind of leads me into like the the grand uh scheme of it all right the grand design of kind of what we're trying to accomplish oh with our with our conversation um because soju talk has just been a community of like online personalities and people interacting um and i think i've mentioned this in the past when you had the option of going outside going to work mm-hmm. every day it was nice to lean back on Soju Talk at night to kind of relax and decompress. But then it became a case where the world shut down and we all um, were forced to, to be on the internet to find that companionship. And I'm very grateful for every relationship I've had on the server, and especially yourself, Warren. Um, oh, no. But I you. do feel like there's a bit of, at least for me personally, a detachment, an emotional detachment, when I am only sending a typed message and then replying to someone's text without emotional context, right? Mm-hmm. And I do wanted to use this platform as a way to open that up again for me because I personally need it. Um, and I think this kind of speaks into the greater, um, kind of the greater thesis of it all, of what we're trying to like really tackle as far as the question of um, capturing different audiences and why audiences feel detached. And my hope is that as the world opens up, that the the variety of ways in which to engage with content will will, will narrow, but also be something to engage with in the real world, where you can continue these conversations with your friends you see at school, at work, or just in a random public place. I mean, I think I've had a number of occasions where I've just worn a shirt and had so many different conversations about a number of things, whether it's video games or K-pop. And that's something that we're all lacking and missing. Um, to kind of like, you know, kind of wrap it up and then give you the the last like thought of it all. Like, what do you feel most emotionally um, connected to as the world is opening up with regards to K-pop music? And do you feel like that's something that's transferable to a larger audience, to a larger group of people, um, whether that's like the general um, Korean music audience or like a very specific niche audiences and fandoms? Well, 
first of all, I, I do also want to mirror what you said earlier. Like, me, myself, like, I, I totally think, actually, I don't know if other people think this way, but I think I was a lot more active on Discord while the whole pandemic was going on. You know, like, previously, I would go to work and, like, I didn't want to seem like that guy who has Discord open instead of, you know, like, <laughs> designing software. Um, so, like, I, I, I think I became a lot more... If anyone from work is listening, I still want to <laughs> say I'm doing a lot of work. <laughs> Warren's rarely on Discord throughout the day. I will just say that. I have... I logged out. Don't you... Uninstalled from my phone, my tablet, my laptop. Uh, no. Um, but no, I... In, when while we're opening still uh, while we're still opening up i don't know man like I, emotionally speaking i do feel vulnerable i'm not gonna lie right like i i i i'm still i, I i've been born a person with so many concerns i'm just worried about everything that's a part of who i am um and 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 you know while we're opening up sure i'm concerned about the pandemic i'm sure i'm concerned about the impact on the economy the job market the like you know like stuff like that um in terms of culture and like what we're enjoying i i, I think luckily it's been one of those things that have shifted positively and negatively and sometimes i'm not sure if that shift is you know the positive or negative right like while we're seeing while while you've been in the pandemic i'm have been very grateful that like you know different media formats have been more accessible at home like for example like disney plus and their marvel stuff that's been great like but at the same time oh everything we've said said about k-pop today right like has been so accelerated because of the pandemic and and, and the whole disconnect situation um and and my hope would be that um we you know these are businesses with huge analysts and huge, you know, like I'm, they gotta know what they're doing. I'm just a guy on the internet, right? Like, like I, I would hope that they figure out a, a way to, you know, grab new ears and new audiences, and maybe TikTok is the answer, as as, as you know, uh, Stacey has showed us. But as of right now, you know, kind of mirroring that whole rant that begun this episode a while back, I I do. I am concerned. I am still concerned. And yes, I think I was pessimistic there. Um, I do still think 2020 and 2021 per, were possibly one of, you know, still one of the worst years. Um, but then again, because pandemic has happened, I feel like because of that, we've seen a huge success um, that we've seen in the Western sphere, right? Like Blackpink blew up, you know, BTS blowing up. If pandemic wasn't there, I don't know. Dude, like it couldn't have been successful. It might not have been successful. We don't know, right? Like... Um, so I'm going to, you know, spin that positively and say maybe 2021 isn't that bad. And maybe it could have been worse without the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe you could have gotten World War Three. Like, we don't know that. Right. Like, dude, like maybe I could be in the army right now. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm just glad I'm alive. I'm glad you're alive, too, Warren. Thank you. I'm yeah. glad you're alive, too. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so last question. We're going to end on something. Um, and you alluded to it briefly just now. Yeah. Let's set it up. Um, we have a show that a lot of people have been talking about. It's um, a continuation of a story that we thought ended. It is Loki season one on Disney Plus. 
Disney Plus, please sponsor us. Um, Warren, what are your thoughts about season one and how it ended? Oh, spoiler. We are going to talk about spoilers and everything that oh, happened. Okay. If time you, You've seen it too, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. We're okay. Good. Dude. <laughs> I've, I spent like the whole day, like when I'm not working, I've always been on YouTube, like watching like reviews like analysis i've watched a kevin feige like interview like two times now three times now it's, it's great um dude i don't know how have you feel how, how'd you feel about it overall this is my favorite of the three shows um oh, okay because i do like um like the concept of different versions of yourself essentially fundamentally being the same right and what does that mean for um the time being relative um, time moving in a stream, so time moving mm. forward. But what does time moving forward mean at different points in uh, the universe of that universality of time, right? And the multiple universes and the many worlds idea. Um, mm. I think on a technical aspect, they do some really cool noir things. There were a couple articles I read that um, visually they took a lot of inspiration from the movie Zodiac. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, where it's that um, like noir mystery. Um, okay. like detective feel um, okay. Zodiac takes place primarily in a newspaper um, setting but it's that same like um, kind of 1960s 1970s like uh, color gradient where it's got the oh, browns okay. and like the, the, those tones right mm-hmm. um, but as far as story I think the strength is the character work because mm-hmm. it's this idea that this Loki still has yet to learn what, what he learned um, in the movies but right. fundamentally, he is still a good person. He is still the person that we know him to be. But what does that mean when there are different versions of him? And we right. get that with Sylvie. Um, how do you feel like that conflict at the very end where there is a like literal diverging branch outside happening and the metaphorical diverging branch between Loki and Sylvie where they make separate choices, branching in different directions? Um, how did that hit you and the fact that like we're kind of left hanging? I mean, I was trying to think about it from our perspective, right? Like, what would I do in their shoes? Like, if I was either Loki or Sylvie, right? Like, I need to figure out what is right. And, like, during the whole, like, Kang break it down situation, I was like, I'm not... At one po- at certain points, I was like, I think he's telling the truth. At certain points, I was like, maybe he's just lying, you know? Like, And, and then I'm sitting there wondering what would I do in that situation. And, I, and it came down to, like... I try. I kind of cheated, but I was like, "Man, both of their perspectives make sense, right?" Because Sylvie, sure, she's Loki at heart, but she spent most of her life running away and trying to kill TVA. That was the whole point of her life. At, at that degree, if I feel like even if you realize that like the right thing to do is not kill Kane, I feel like I would still kill her, dude. Like, cause my whole life, the whole point of my life has been to kill that guy. Whether that whether that is wrong or right, that's be that's beyond me right at this point, right? Like that at, at this point, all that matters is that I'm about to finish what I wanted to do in my entire life, and I can go retire and go farm or something. I don't know whatever I do, but with with all that in mind, right? Like, yeah, like it's too... it, asks, it asks a lot of questions, right? Because I don't think right. either choice was 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 going to be correct right or wrong right i think Mm. it's a it's a spectrum of consequences that's going to occur between both choices and i think um the just the nature of the show where there's just a lot of uncertainty 
and we don't really mm-hmm. um, get a sense of like power level of what the universe actually is. I, I think there was something I caught from the little clock person, um, the little floaty clock. Oh, uh, Miss Minutes. Yeah, she she mentioned, oh, you can have everything. You can have an infinity gauntlet. But we've already established that the Infinity Stones are relative. and They actually don't have or possess the power that would grant a person seeking them. So what does that mean as far as like the mischief and misunderstanding and um, lying that's been happening in the universe, right? That, to me, felt more like Miss Minutes saying, I will give you whatever you want, but it'll be just, like, you living in your lives. Like, Mm. you'll be living in an artificial, fake reality, you know? Like, uh, Infinity Stones, you got them, you know? You can be king, do whatever you want. That's what it felt like to me. And and at that point, I was like, why is she saying this? And that that, that part actually stood out to me, because, like, that didn't match up with what King said after the whole thing like because i thought when you know because i thought king would be like all right here are your contracts you can write whatever you want and it'll happen that's what i thought will happen and and he went on a completely different tangent about either kill me or um do whatever you want with the tva and and that had that was like i don't know that just kind of like was detached a little bit with what Miss Minutes was going on about so to me I feel like Miss Minutes is psycho like you know like a <laughs> clock person with a southern accent dude you don't trust people like that is it even no. a person it's a it's, thing it's some sentient being some yeah consciousness um yeah no I think I think you hit it like right on with just this idea of like mischief and misinformation right and not knowing what to trust because right Again, like the the overarching like visual metaphor is diverging paths to an infinite number of things, or can mm-hmm. lead you to an infinite number of um, results, conclusions, mm-hmm. um, conclusions that we have yet to understand. Because uh, there is a season two, it leaves you on hey. a cliffhanger. Um, all right, well, let me get let me get your last your, your last like little theory and like idea, right? So, how did that cliffhanger? leave you and i mean they very much show at the very end season two loki is confirmed so what direction do you feel like they are going to go into for this story and is there going to be overlap with other stories other heroes other movies perhaps oh well let's talk about what we know for sure right like king is confirmed for ant-man and wasp kinds of mania right uh dr strange in the multiverse of madness has basically straight up said it's going to continue off of where this show and WandaVision have left off. Um, So I feel like everyone's been saying this, but I feel like King is going to be the big bad of the, you know, this phase and next or something like that. Um, What I think is going to happen in Loki season two, um, again, I think a lot of people have said this, but I think like Loki's going to start going around, like trying to find his way to several variations, several variants of like who he would call hero, right? Like Loki or the Avengers, you know, like and and then I'm sure there'll be some issues there, right? Cause these people, now that he's in a different branch, these people might be like Iron Tony might be like, oh, who is who's Loki? You know? Who's Iron Man? I'm just the guy who just runs the bit. That that that's what that might be. Yeah. Um so that's where I would hope that goes. Um Maybe we'll see Tony again. I don't know. That's all I want. Like I'm just an Iron Man fan here. Um, I love you. I don't know, yeah. Where, where where do you see season two going? 
so I think right now I have a very like short term conception uh-huh. of where it could go, but I okay. do feel like what if is going to be far more important than we realize. Oh. Because it does set up where it's like, oh, these are alternate versions of like past and histories. Well, now we've clearly defined that multiple versions of these characters can exist, crossing paths at right. different points in time and space. Mm-hmm. Who's to say like any of those stories aren't relevant to the overall arc of Marvel moving forward? Right. And right. I feel like that could be a way to sneak in a couple hints at interdimensional travel. A certain family of four that perhaps travels between <gasps> dimensions. Oh. <gasps> Are they a family? Yeah. Oh. I, I, I'm actually not that, like, versed with the actual lore. I just watched the movies and the drama. Yeah, what, yeah. What I do, What I do know for sure is that this show is supposed to be one big show, mm-hmm. and then they chopped it off in the middle into making season two longer and bigger. So hopefully, like, that means season two is going to have a much more meatier ending. Like, just... Yeah, more importance. I don't know. I I would hope I would hope that's what you said about that is true. Yeah, um, yeah. it it does feel like this is kind of a, a midpoint for right. an entire story, right? Um, yeah, I did, I did. It did leave me wanting more. A little little sad about that. Yeah. but I yeah. hope because it's a midpoint that they actually have it done, and it's coming out sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. So they still haven't announced the date. I dude, that makes me worried. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like COVID, like pushing all the movies back, they'll probably affected that. Uh, that's true that's yeah. true um, I mean regardless we're getting a lot of cool movies and shows this year yeah. you know Got some cool stuff lined up yeah so. um, one final thought um, well the well, final question um, yeah. overall um, Star Wars is also another big part of Disney um, if you can describe one way that the ideas of the force and being a better person have affected you um, what's one example of that in your life Warren You're asking the wrong person here. Um, I, the whole, okay, okay. This is going to sound really weird, but like, I've always been like the Jedi or Pooh. The concept of the force, dude, uh, nah, dude, I've always been a person where like the Sith has, they, they know what they're doing. That, that's, <laughs> realistically speaking, I've been, I, 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 I do think Okay, you, you got to think about it this way, because I saw the prequels first. Yeah. I saw episode one, two, three. Then way later, I saw four, five, six. I love four, five, six. I also love one, two, three. A little more than four, five, six. And, and because of that, what stood out to me about the Jedi is their corruption. And then mm-hmm. their, like, their attachment and obsession to, like, these great ideals. And in my world, I'm like, that's kind of poo-poo. Why don't we just try to balance all the emotions, you know, like? Hey, sometimes we're angry. Gotta let the anger out. Sometimes we're sad. Gotta let the sadness out. Sometimes we're happy. Gotta smile it out. You know, like I, I feel like that's the way I view a lot of things. Um, whether that perspective game came first or whether Star Wars came first, I don't know. <laughs> but but they probably influenced each other because yeah. they kind of formed around the same age, right? Because puberty and then Star Wars, same time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. yeah. I'd say you're you're more of a rogue. You, know, you fall under the um, Han Solo bounty hunters smugglers code of honor, right? Yeah. So um, I know. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. You know, Warren, Warren the bounty hunter, Warren the smuggler, I think is something we can coin That's... moving forward. Oh, Trademark. Boy. All right. I well, would love to be Han Solo. Um, Warren, thank you so much for coming on to talk extensively about so many different things. A very academic discussion, all ending and culminating with a little bit of fandom talk. So Yeah, no, this was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You can bring me on anytime you want, man. Yeah, man. No, these, these yeah. conversations are great. I think we can even talk about like other lighthearted things at some point. Cause, um, yeah. I think we do have a lot to say about comic book movies and Star Wars. So we can hey. definitely touch on that um, in the future. All okay, right. Nice, nice. Well, thank you all for listening to Soju Sessions on the Soju Talk Nation podcast feed. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Spotify or your preferred podcast platform, and continue the conversation on the Soju Talk K-Pop podcast Discord. For Warren, this is Crispy, and this has been the Soju Sessions. Bye-bye!